every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Guys being dudes. What you call an icon living? Start a record label, Miss Fish just did it. Nylon, couple five minutes. Whoa, we are too hot in the business. About to make a movie independent. Need new trucks independent. I need you to listen to the vision. All your verses sound like dirty dishes. I'm about to clean them in the kitchen. And we making money by the minute. I'm about to do a way different. I am just an icon living. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and Fan Rag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting with NDT Scouting, also with Fan Rag Sports. We are your hosts here on a Friday edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast. We have the most meaningful football of the year ahead of us with the NFL playoffs starting this weekend. The national championship game for college football is on Monday, even though the UCF Knights seem to think they've already won it. Uh, but that's besides the point. Kyle, welcome to the show, man. I'm excited to talk about uh, some of the storylines from the NFL and the NFL draft that's coming and you know, make some of our picks here for the uh, the important Rookie of the Year awards. Yeah, let's talk about the size of the balls it takes to have a championship trophy, or I'm sorry, a championship parade <laughs> on Monday at 6.45 in Orlando for a self-proclaimed national championship. I'm impressed, UCF. I don't know if I would attend, but at the very least I'm impressed that there's been this much uh, recognition. Now, follow through, you're taking care of your coaches, buy your kids some rings and buy, buy a nice little trophy, put it in your trophy case. Um, You're going to go all out here. You might as well reward the reward the players and, and get them some recognition too here. That that is my understanding. They've um, they've done that. They're paying out the coaches bonuses. The, the players are getting rings. They're doing the parade. 
Uh, they're putting a national championship banner up at the stadium, and their their Twitter handle and their whole Twitter account is loaded with, you know, their national 2017 national champions, and uh, they're selling merchandise. I mean, this is just uh, – I don't even know what to say. I'm at a loss. They didn't win the national championship. There are clear mm-hmm. parameters for winning the national championship uh, that uh, are in place, and they didn't do it. We can debate you know whether or not is. they deserve to be there or not, but they didn't do it. This is branding. I think they would reap a lot more benefits if Scott Frost was still going to be there mm-hmm. instead of heading on to Nebraska. But you know, I guess you could say the benefit here is twofold, where Scott Frost can say, "Hey, look, <laughs> I take care of my guys. You know, and I'll I'll stand up for you." And then from a UCF perspective, yeah, I mean they they got uniforms. They were a great success story. They went to a uh, New Year's Day Bowl and beat Auburn, and uh, now they're going to get some some bling and and hang a banner in the stadium. So, um, they, everybody knows they didn't win, but I at least respect the hustle. I respect the angle, and I respect what they're doing from the perspective of this is their brand now. This is this is getting them out there and getting people talking about them, and and that's a win no matter what. Yeah, tough, tough shoes to fill already for Josh Heupel replacing Scott Frost, and now, uh, now he's got to replace the national champion uh, head coach in his first season. I don't, I don't know what yeah. the expectations are, yeah. but man, uh, that's they're pretty tough to to match there. <laughs> it's a tough draw. Um, yeah, but uh, but other than that, can can you believe we are six episodes of draft dudes away from the Senior Bowl? Oh my God. But I'm ready, dude. This is a sick uh, class of seniors that are yeah. going to be out there in Mobile, and um, it's it's. Um, I'm not. I mean, this is my third year there, and and certainly my first two years don't stack up to what uh, we're we're projected to see here in a couple weeks, man. I think the only thing that you could really have another class hang its head over was the year that Dak and Carson Wentz were there. Yeah, was where it? it's like those those are two quote-unquote, franchise quarterbacks, having those two guys there. But looking up and down the entire RSVP list, mm-hmm. hey, you know, they're getting redshirt juniors. Like, hey, Harrison Phillips is coming in here now, and we're still seven quarterbacks, and there's there's one redshirt junior quarterback who's taking classes in her, uh, who apparently has been vocalized, wants to come. Uh, you know, there's a lot of added – talent and that they're really turning this into just a powerhouse like you must come to this event yeah. and it's a no yeah. situation yeah everybody's there Rashawn Evans well, that was a big one that was announced this week the yeah. linebacker from yeah. Alabama I mean it's it's this is uh the premier guys I mean they're all there they're all coming they're all committed and I love what Phil Savage has done to make this a destination for seniors and, and make it such a big showcase and everyone's going and uh, the, the benefits that have come from the participants and uh, just it's it's part of the deal. It's incentivizing kids for going back to school. And, um, and man, this is going to be such an awesome showcase. We are, we're seven deep with our bench, Kyle, uh, of, uh, of, of scouts that we are bringing down there uh, for the FRS NDT scouting squad man and so we are going to have wall-to-wall coverage that will be unmatched on the internet yeah challenge accepted you know if uh i would hold the coverage that we put up at the senior bowl against anybody's and it's not meant to be necessarily disrespectful to anybody else that's that's really just 
you know, Joe, we're, we're at the game. We had a group of four guys at the game. And we go up in the box afterwards from interviewing players. And uh, we watched the sun go down at Lad Peebles mm-hmm. on Saturday night. And we were literally the last dudes there. We, we closed the place down. And we have every intent in doing that to bring you guys the uh, most comprehensive and best draft coverage that we possibly can. So looking forward to that. Also looking forward to the uh, 2018 NFL draft, which, Joe, I'm going to steal your lead here, but I'm going to let you have the number. It's 110 days away. And we get a pretty impressive number that, that correlates to 110. Yes, we do. 110 is also the NFL record for the most consecutive games scoring 10 or more points. The Indianapolis Colts from 2003 to 2009 scored at least 10 points in 110 consecutive football games. The power of Peyton Manning, Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, Edgerin James, Jeff Saturday. Points were always on the board when those guys were playing football. Yeah, that's 110 games. That's almost seven full seasons of at least 10 points in every football game. Joe, I don't know. I'm going to I'm gonna ramble on about Manning here for just a minute because I, I want your producer to look up uh, how many times like they scored less than two touchdowns. Oh, wow. That's a tall order. Because I'd be – yeah, I know. I know. Well, listen, you just – you go to Pro Football Reference. Here's a I'm free already, shameless plug I'm there. for Pro Football I'm Reference. There, guys. Well, you're there. The listeners aren't there. The listeners can go pull it up, and they can pull up. It's, it's they've actually got a search function on this website that's really cool. Where you can search by breaking um, coaches. You can breaking breaking. You're breaking news. Yes, because I what piqued my interest with this number is I wanted to know when the game was that snapped the streak of scoring 10 points. And it came Sunday, January 3rd. The kickoff was 1.02 p.m. Eastern time in a loss to the Buffalo Bills, who beat them 30-7. to How about those apples? The Bills were the team that ended the streak. Now, uh, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning threw 18 passes in that game, but Curtis Painter, came in and threw 17. So this looks like this was a situation where they were resting their guys. Ryan Fitzpatrick threw three touchdown passes uh, in, in a 30-7 to win over the Colts to snap their streak at 110. That's uh, that's what we like to call an asterisk in the business, Joe. Uh, it's, uh, Don't pat yourself too hard on the back. You're going to pull something. I need you 100% mobile in two weeks. <laughs> Perry Fuel was the coach of the Bills. He was the interim coach. Jim Caldwell, the coach of the Colts. Um, yeah, no, that's all. I'm sorry. I, I got a little carried away, but uh, I was pleased to see the Bills. You know what? That, that that's all the people. You you have sucked all the fun out of this segment, so why don't we just move on? <laughs> <laughs> it's an impressive feat. You want to talk about offensive? Yes, it's a hat tip to the Colts and Peyton Manning and Jim Caldwell and Reggie Wayne and Jeff Saturday and Everybody else involved. Dallas Clark. Yeah, I don't no. think I forgot any of the key cogs, did I? Uh, you, no, uh, yeah, you're good. You got them. Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison. Probably in that list, too. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, let's talk offensive and defensive rookie of the year candidates. Because I know we each have different ballots here. Mm-hmm. 
where there, there's not consensus among the dudes. Um, if I'm going to look up offensive and defensive rookie of the year, for me, uh, the offensive rookie of the year is a draft dude, and it is Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara, Joe, and I know that that you have a lot of respect for Alvin, but he's not your pick. Um, I, I think you're getting suckered here based on a single stat. And that's that's my um, probably biased opinion because I'm, I'm totally siding with Alvin. Alvin had 201 touches this year, 81 receptions, 120 carries for – over 1,550 yards and 13 touchdowns from scrimmage, plus he has special teams touchdown. 14 touchdowns, uh, 1,550 yards from scrimmage on 200 touches, which when you consider he's playing in an offense that had him essentially in a 50-50 timeshare, this guy wasn't even getting the vast majority of the touches, I think that's highly impressive. The fact that he can make the most of a role that featured him really is a – I don't even want to call him a third down back because he had his packages. But you know, Ingram had over 280 touches and Kamara had 201. So there, there's a sizable difference in the workload here. And uh, Kamara actually beat Ingram in yards from scrimmage. So um, – I'm leaning Alvin Kamara. I think what he gave the Saints offense really was uh, just a took them to a whole different level. It totally rejuvenated the offense, gave them a whole different dynamic. He was their chess piece. They moved him around. Explosive plays each and every week. Uh, just tremendous, tremendous rookie season from Kamara. Yeah, uh, I, I don't want this to turn into uh, a segment where anyone takes – away from this that I don't like Alvin Kamara because I do. And I think he had a fantastic rookie season, but my pick for NFL offensive rookie of the year is Kansas city chiefs running back Kareem hunt, who took home the NFL rushing title, the most productive runner in the NFL, 1,327 yards. He's one of just nine running backs this season to eclipse the 1000 yard mark. He averaged 4.9 Yards per carry, which is the most among rushers with at least 200 carries. And he tied LaShawn McCoy for the most runs of 20-plus on the season. He added 53 catches for 455 yards, three touchdowns through the air. He was the most productive rookie running back. He was the focal point of that Chiefs offense uh, where, you know, it's it's he carried the load. And, you know, don't, no disrespect to Alvin Kamara. I think, you know, way he fit into that offense – was beautiful. The way Sean Payton used him was beautiful. How he compliments Mark Ingram is beautiful. But I've got a guy who's the focal point of the running running game here with, with Kareem Hunt. And, and his production was unmatched by any running back in the NFL in terms of yards on the ground. And uh, Mr. Kareem Hunt, his the way he sustained it from week one all the way through the end uh, gives him my vote for NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sustained. Green had a couple down weeks here, if my memory serves me correctly. Sure. Chiefs, Chiefs started with their pants on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kareem went one, two, three, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight weeks without 100 yards and only one with at least 80 and only two above 50 
in eight weeks. Still had the most rushing yards in the NFL. So I would counter that he didn't sustain. Yeah, and I'm sitting here, my producer's looking at it right now and going year by year. And Hunt's rushing total is the lowest number to lead in rushing. I'm back at 2008. It's 1990, Cal. And it's still the lowest yeah, leading rusher. 1990. Barry Sanders in 1990. 90 is, is the last time somebody had a lower number. Yep. Okay, so you just answered my question. So let's not act like it's a super impressive feat then. It is because it's the only context that matters. That is he this led year. the league with the lowest. Yeah, but the only context that matters is. This and he year. also had. And he also had, two hundred seventy-two carries and fifty-three receptions, to beat Alvin Kamara by two hundred yards. So he needed an extra one hundred and twenty touches to get two hundred yards. Carrying the load, man. He's not getting design touches in space that are engineered to to pick up chunk yards, man. It's just they're different players using different ways. And uh, I think I go ahead. I was going to say, I think if you if you uh, think about just, I know they both kind of came on in their own way, a little bit unexpectedly. They both you know weren't expected to be as featured as they were. Obviously, Peterson in in New Orleans, and then you know, all the slew of injuries that it took to even get Kareem Hunt on the field. But, you know, how he, he really just became the bell cow back for for the Chiefs, a playoff team. Um, I'm pretty impressed, man. I would uh, – my parting shot would be, who do you think is more replaceable? I I honestly – and I'm – honestly, I think uh, Alvin Kamara is more replaceable. I really okay. do. I mean, we'll, we'll, t- we'll take that to the people. Okay, that's fair. Well, we could put a poll out there. Because I, I seem to remember watching a Thursday night game where Kamara got knocked down on the first drive of the game and the Saints looked handcuffed and lost to the Falcons. I think that replacing Kamara, yeah, no, I mean, that just, but that comes down to the players available, right? I mean, like, if I wanted to find another player to do what Kamara does for the Saints, I can do that easier than I could find a an old, every down, multifaceted back like Cream uh, is. Sprint's Unlimited Plus plan. It has Hulu, Title Premium, 15 gigabytes, mobile hotspot, and full HD. Atlas, we need to shout that from the rooftops. Best deal ever. I didn't mean literally. Switch to Sprint's Unlimited Plus plan for just $42 per line. But hurry for a limited time. It's now $22 per line when you bring or buy your own phones. Visit Sprint.com slash unlimited or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Price with $5 per month auto pay discount. One Hulu limited commercial plan for Sprint account. Features differ. Offer coverage not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new line subject to credit. Third dollar activation fee speed. Maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Joe, who are you? you? This is the guy that said running backs are a dime a dozen. For two years, you told me running backs were dime a dozen. Now, now you're coveting the three-down, multifaceted back, telling me that, that you got to have them. Top five running backs in the NFL. The top five leading rushers in the NFL this year were on playoff teams. It's it's a it's it's a recipe for winning football games is having a, a rushing attack that you can rely on, and um, that that requires having a guy. And and I learned that I learned that because of Lashawn McCoy, having him on the Buffalo Bills. And thinking about him not being available and how much I immediately thought the Bills' chances of winning and being productive on offense declined. And I think the the ability for the Bills to win on Saturday or Sunday against Jacksonville really weighs in the balance if LaShawn McCoy can play and be you know close to what LaShawn McCoy can do. And that value and understanding that firsthand – 
has changed my opinion on, on, the, on the value of a running back. Also look at the recent top running backs that were drafted. Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott. None of those teams have buyer's remorse by having those players. And I, I'm buying in more. I really am. I had first-round grades last year on McCaffrey and on Dalvin Cook. You know, it's it's look, I'm evolving just like the league's evolving. That's great. Self scouting. <laughs> and that, that's something that we, we like no, I'm being serious. We like to give each other a hard time all the time, but like yeah. having that self awareness is really big with what we do. Yeah. So okay. yeah. If for me if for me it's offensive tackle shifting, right? You know, and we talked probably two weeks ago about like Kyle's type, quote unquote type yeah. at offensive tackle. And um, broadening my horizons that way and you broadening your horizons with running backs, um, I think we've seen pleasant results with it so far for each one of us. And here's hoping that trend continues. Shall we switch to D-Roy here, Kyle? Yeah, why don't you go D-Roy? <laughs> Leave us off here because I, I, want, I want the rebuttal this time. Yeah, so I think I wrote a piece for FanRag Sports this week. and the, the piece was on TJ Watt and if he deserved consideration for D-Roy. And I think he does deserve consideration, just like Reuben Foster from the 49ers, just like Carl Lawson from the Bengals, just like uh, Miles Garrett from the Browns. But to me, this is a two-horse race. Uh, Tredavious White, Buffalo Bills cornerback, Marshawn Lattimore, New Orleans Saints cornerback. And uh, I go, I'm go. i going with Tredavious White, and that is very much – I can I – can, I could hear the listeners right now saying, oh, it's a homer pick, Joe. Adam Moore was better. All right, well, um, let me talk about That's what a I, homer pick. Well, let me tell you why I go with Lattimore, excuse me, with White over Lattimore. Now, their statistics are very comparable. Both had a defensive touchdown. They both had over 20 uh, pass deflections. They both had uh, – Marshall Lattimore had five interceptions. Tredavious White had four, uh, both very similar in terms of – fumble recoveries, force fumbles, those types of things. Both tremendous football players. Marshawn Lattimore did a fantastic job this season lining up with top-flight receivers and taking him out of the game and really making it difficult for Julio Jones and Mike Evans. I get that. For me, what it came down to when I when I decided to give my, my honest, clear-visioned vote to Tredavious White is it came down to that he led the NFL in fourth-quarter turnovers. He he. he he, he forced five of those. And I think about the Falcons game, and I think about the Buccaneers game, and I think about uh, another game that's – was it the uh, Dolphins game where he, he had – Let's just say the first Miami game. The first yeah. Miami game where he had a game-clinching turnover that directly led to three Buffalo Bills wins. So while Tredavious White did very similar things in terms of productions, turned into be a number one cornerback on a playoff team and, and – uh, for the Bills, just like this, you know, Lattimore did for the Saints, it's it's those game changing plays that he made that directly resulted in three wins for the Bills uh, that makes me say, okay, Tre'Davious White is a defensive rookie of the year. I I can live, you know, I'm not as I don't think I don't think I'm as uh, as firm on this one. I could, you know, I, I I'm I'm very anxious to hear why you think it's Marshawn Lattimore. Like, uh, but um, you know, for me, when I stack them up and I think about what gives who the edge, it's those turnovers in the fourth quarter that led to Buffalo Bills wins. Yeah, so the resume for Lattimore 
was kind of like the tale of two seasons. You know, when he first started out, uh, he didn't really fill up the stash. But it was because he wasn't really getting targeted all that much. Uh, he was just blanketing guys. Uh, had the pick six against Detroit, part of an effort in which resulted in uh, Payne scoring 52 points against the Lions in a 52-38 win. But when you get the back, he's in. Uh, he missed a little bit of time uh, with an injury. Uh, weeks 12 and 13, he did not play. And he comes back from that. And in the three weeks after that, 14, 15, 16, the three key weeks for the Saints as they held on to clinch the division here. He had an interception in three consecutive weeks and eight passes defensed in those essential games, Falcons twice and the New York Jets. They went two and one. Uh, they essentially got to week seven. They needed to clinch the division. They lost that game, but Carolina also lost to the Falcons anyway, so they ended up playing the division anyway and getting a home, home playoff game. So um, point was kind of moot, but on that last stretch, you combine those kind of numbers in must-have games, how dominating he was and how sticky he was at the beginning. And I think it was a really nice rebound. It would have been very easy to get banged up week 11, week 12, kind of hit the rookie wall that you see a lot of guys hit once they hit December because the season gets so long. Uh, but he played his best football at the end of the season. And he was part of this you know, tremendous rookie class for the Saints that has really changed and shifted uh, the perspective on their entire franchise. And uh, I, I really have a lot of respect for the technique that which he plays. I think he, he's a pretty special player as far as the ball skills and the size and the like and, and the ability to move in space and, and play with quickness. And then to have that clutch gene towards the back end where teams had to try and test him. And he said, all right, let's go. And, and he performed up to the task and really just blew up the stat sheet there at the end of the season, I think, was was one reason why I, I would give the nod to him as the, the D-Roy. Yeah, certainly a compelling case. I think there, I think we have similar cases here. Um, I, for me, uh, two more notches in White's belt are that he did play every game played and started every single game where Marshawn Lattimore did lose time. And then, you know, not to not to throw the uh, the pro football focus grades out there, but Tredavious White graded higher than Marshawn Lattimore. Um, so just a, just a little Well, you just did throw the football foco. Yeah. You just did throw the pro football well, focus grades out there. Hey, there you go. They, he scored Not higher. to do this, but I'm going to do exactly this. Yeah. Well, I did. I did it, so... Tredavious White. Do we happen do we happen to know who had a higher PFF grade between Mar and Kareem Hunt? No, I don't. Do you have that information? I no, think it's, no, I, I, I think, think our Kamara. producer. Oh, no, no, excuse me. It's, it, it's Hunt. I know that it's Hunt because I look at their top ten thing every single week, and uh, Kamara's actually not even on it, I don't think. All right, well, there you go. Joe, Joe congratulations on your move to uh, Pro Football Focus. <laughs> and we look forward to all of your, your new materials well, in I the just, coming weeks. Hey, when it's uh, convenient and works for you, you got to throw it out there, man. Of course, of course. But I think when it fits same, when it fits the agenda. But I'll also say this, and I, and I really appreciate the the draft class that the Saints put together this year, and and it's 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 the best draft class in the NFL. But it, likewise, Buffalo had another 
similar similar to what you said, that they had a draft class this year that kind of altered the franchise with Tredavious White, with Matt Milano, who was the second highest rated linebacker uh, as a rookie. He they also had uh, Deion Dawkins, who was the third highest rated offensive tackle as a rookie. So mm. they've got some, some pillars there as well from their draft class. Not to mention what hopefully Zay Jones turns into and. The selection of Tredavious White netted them the Chiefs' first-round pick uh, in this coming draft. So, you know, another another really good draft class that, um, you know, is, is arguably right up there in terms of franchise altering as as the Saints. And yeah, I got it, Kyle. Deion Dawkins was good, and I thought he was going to be bad, and you were right. So, hat tip to you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to put you in the spot. One last thing here: we're talking about really good rookie classes. Yeah. Do you have one more? Another rookie class off the top of your head that kind of stands out and says, yeah, they did a nice job, or yeah, they really set themselves up for success, even if, like, for example, one that comes to my mind that is the uh, the Minnesota Vikings mm-hmm. um, and even the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, you know, with Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook showed great promise and then got hurt and missed the final 12, 13 weeks of the season, unfortunately. Um, but you look at them securing... Pat Elfline and uh, Dalvin Cook. And those two guys alone will have the ability to overhaul their running game grossly in comparison to what it was beforehand. So there are two for me, the Bears, which I'll lead a little pro there because I was a little skeptical of the Bears going with Tariq Cohen as early as they did. And I didn't feel great about Adam Shaheen being selected as early as he was. Uh, but he showed some nice flashes in the passing game, and then they went Mitch Trubisky, which was one of my draft rushes, and another one, which was Eddie Jackson. So uh, Eddie, Eddie started every game at free safety this year for the Chicago Bears and had, like, we just talked about a bunch of really successful defensive rookies, and his name didn't come up. So I need an excuse to throw him in there. <laughs> yeah, those those certainly come to mind when, when I was thinking about what I was going to say when, when you posed the question. It was going to be – the uh, the Bears and the Vikings also have to like what Jacksonville did, you know, to go out and get Leonard Fournette, to go out and get Cam Robinson, and, and both of those guys mm-hmm. have have really molded this team into this power running attack and, and gave it an identity. And um, you know, some of their other picks that you know we'll see what happens with Blair Brown and D.D. Westbrook showed some poise, and, and Dwayne Smoot didn't do much this year, but. Uh, in those two guys, to have those types of, of cornerstones already to, to shape your identity with your first two picks, I, I think is, is very commendable. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. 
Yeah, I, and uh, I, I just shudder to think if Jack, Jacksonville's at like that tipping point now, or if they knock this next one out of the park, mm-hmm. my goodness, <laughs> they can be really, really good if if they hit on these first couple draft picks that they have in this next draft class. Uh, but Gio, we have have one more segment that we want to talk about today. We want to talk about. Uh, all the teams that aren't in the playoffs. So, sorry, Jacksonville, you've had your time in the sun. Sorry, New Orleans. Sorry, Minnesota. Let's talk about the guys that are sitting at home getting ready for the draft right now. Uh, two of those teams being uh, the Denver Broncos and another one of those teams being the Houston Texans, which we've just found out this week are the two coaching staffs that will be coaching their respective teams at the Senior Bowl. So, Joe, we want to talk today about – any potential dynamics taking place amongst what is set as the draft order to this point. So we have two coin flips that need to happen at the combine. Uh, But we have the draft order as is for 1 through 20 with those two coin tosses still pending. So do you happen to have it up as we speak? Yes, I do. Would you care to read through just once, and then we'll get into some of the um, dynamics amongst teams and team needs and and players that may be interesting to see where they fall so everybody can kind of hear this laid out and we can tackle from there. All right, here we go. I'm going to rip through 1 through 20 right now. We've got the Cleveland Browns at number 1, New York Giants number 2, Indianapolis Colts number 3, Cleveland Browns again at number 4 through the the, uh, Houston Texans. Denver Broncos at 5, New York Jets at 6, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 7, Chicago Bears at 8, San Francisco 49ers at 9, Oakland Raiders 10, Miami Dolphins number 11, Cincinnati Bengals 12, Washington Redskins 13, Green Bay Packers 14, Arizona Cardinals 15, Baltimore Ravens 16, L.A. Chargers 17, Seattle Seahawks 18, Dallas Cowboys 19, Detroit Lions 20. Have you heard people already caping for the Browns to take two quarterbacks at one and four? Yeah, I saw that. Um, I, I I don't think you do that. I think you take the next hundred and whatever what is it, hundred and ten days, and uh, figure out which quarterback you believe in. You've got your pick of the litter. And you turn on the card, and that's that's what you have to do. And uh, uh, I think it's a fun thing to talk about, but um, no, you, you just don't do that. I mean, I'm totally fine with them double dipping if they feel they need to, but not at one and four. No, right? Like they've got one four thirty three, at least one more second round pick. You go like what the the Redskins did a couple years ago when they went Griffin and then doubled it with Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. And I think like that kind of methodology and approach, I'm all for it, you know, because you want these guys to compete and, you know, it's kind of the shotgun shell approach where the more, more lines you have in the water, the greater odds you're increasing that you're going to be able to find sustainable success which Washington has had with Cousins, uh, although it seems as though Kirk's ready to move on. He's wiped all evidence of the football team in Washington from his Twitter profile this week. So 
that'll be a fun one to watch where he lands. Maybe this all is moot and Kirk signs with the Browns. And then what do the Browns do? So the, the Browns are really like the first big domino here, obviously, but having the first overall pick aside because they have, they are loaded up top where they get, they're kind of, they should come away with two blue chip prospects given the talent in this class, which as I don't know about you, Joe, but as I continue to watch through this group of prospects, there's top end talent to be had here, especially in the top five. Yeah. And so it's really fun already to start thinking about the the pairings, the combination of players that Cleveland's going to be able to come away with at one and four. And, you know, if you think, you know, whatever you, Darnold, Rosen, whoever at number one, you know, I, I get excited about, okay, well, who's at number four? Is that a Saquon Barkley spot? Is that a Minka Fitzpatrick spot? Do they go ahead and get Bradley Chubb and have a, a ridiculous pair of edge rushers and get really creative with that? So when you think about Cleveland at one and four, like, is there a, is there a, a pairing of two players that you think would be just a slam dunk? Um, I'd like to see him come away with Rosen and Barkley, personally. But I also have a feeling you're going to see Cleveland go a different direction. Now that Darnold's, like, officially in the pool, I would not be surprised to see them kind of gravitate towards him. And I, I did his film yesterday, and uh, I can see why a team – would still invest in him with the first overall pick, even despite some of the consistency issues that he had this year. Um, But if the Browns chose Rosen, I think it takes away the likelihood that Barkley falls to four, which is crazy because people are going to be up in arms. They're running backs going that high again. But uh, I, I think those teams near the top, they just need blue chippers. And the only excuse to get away with that this early is if there's a quarterback on the board that you need. Well, you know the Colts aren't going to go that way. Maybe they go Bradley Chubb. But they could also go Saquon Barkley. If the Giants really fall in love with Rosen and he's off the board because the Browns take him, I could see them taking Saquon Barkley. And then, and then you get into the dynamics of, of a trade and so on and so forth. So... Um, I would love to see them come away with Rosen and Saquon Barkley. Yeah, it would be an interesting combination. And, and actually, I haven't thought about Barkley to the Giants or Colts at 2-3. and three. Um, But I see why that could happen. You know, I, I've, uh, I've always thought of, you know, Browns, Giants 1-2 and two as quarterbacks, and then Indianapolis getting a, a defensive player or maybe Connor Williams. And so – Running back hadn't crossed my mind for the Colts until you just said it. Um, but that is certainly an interesting uh, angle that they could go. And then you look at five and six, you've got Denver and New York, both quarterback destinations. And, you know, they're they're not going to get, you know, one of the premier guys because I don't think when you look at Cleveland and New York that they're in position to really pass on quarterbacks. So it would be interesting to see how it all falls and, and to hear – you know, four or five different teams in the first round saying that they got their number one guy when we know that's just not true. But we could see a crazy run on quarterbacks in the top six. As in how many exactly do you think? 
I think four. I don't think it's unreasonable to think Rosen, Darnold, Mayfield, and Josh Allen go in the top six. Yeah, Joe, and another position that is always really highly coveted throughout the draft process, and is especially in the, the early portions of the first round, is pass rushers. And I can see a, a run here in the top 15 or so between – uh, six and fifteen, that group of ten, I could see uh, a sizable number of pass rushers going off the board as well. Well, you know, we're still waiting on some of these dominoes to fall as far as who's in and who's out of the class of top names. But we know Bradley Chubb's in. Uh, Harold Landry has just fallen off the face of the earth as far as draft coverage goes, uh, which I, I think some people are grossly overlooking him based on on him being banged up a lot this year. Armour Key just threw his name into the, to the ring. Kyle, one of the interesting things that I look at when I think about this top 20 in, in a player is Quentin Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame, who's just outstanding. We, we've talked about on several different episodes so far. And I think about, all right, well, what's his floor and what's his ceiling? And I think his floor or his ceiling might be three to Indianapolis, but his floor is Miami at 11. No chance. I know it's crazy to say no chance on January 5th, but no chance he gets past the Dolphins at 11. Do you do you kind of see a similar range for Quentin Nelson? Um, and what are the likelihood do you think that the Dolphins could strike gold and get Quentin Nelson at 11? You know, Joe, I would like to think that Quentin Nelson could fall down that far just because some of the times you've seen teams go top 10 – with interior offensive line, it's backfired on him a little bit, and for that's for various different reasons. Even Jonathan Cooper uh, had an injury, which really seemed to to rob him of his confidence and ability to to dictate at the point of attack. But I have a really hard time also believing that one of the three or four best football players in this class is going to slide to eleven just because he plays guard. Um, this is as dominating of a guy as we've really seen at the inside offensive line positions in quite a while where he checks every box. He's got size. He's got quickness. He's got power. He's mean. Uh, and th- there's a number of teams that could really afford to get an upgrade there. There's a lot of landlines there where teams would either, A, have to be very reactive to runs happening in the top 10 or uh, very needs based where they are overlooking one need for more pressing need to address early on, which I don't think you'll see. So no, I I don't necessarily think that Quentin Nelson's a realistic possibility, but we also know in this business is never say never. Uh, Joe, that's going to wrap it up for us here today on the draft dudes. We hope everybody enjoyed kind of, Looking at some of the prominent storylines of the set draft order, I guess we could call it probably top 12 since it seemed like our focus settled in there today. But don't worry. Uh, we'll make sure that we're touching on each and every as we through the playoffs and into the finalized draft order all together. And we'll have mock drafts coming up. But, uh, plenty to keep all fans of all teams really uh, engaged and, and you should know a good bit of know where we stand with teams and, and potential players that would fit. We'd like to thank you guys for taking some time out of your day listening to us on a Friday. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Please 
leave us a review. We've been asking. We haven't gotten a written review for Draftson. We're starting to feel like you guys don't love us anymore. So we're getting a little insecure. We would love for you to leave us a five-star written review on the show. Tell us why you love us. Tell us why you hate us. Probably me. Joe's very benign except for his love for the Bills. Swing over to MTScouting.com. Uh, now that the bowl games are over, our entire staff is really turning up the heat. We're getting a lot of written content out, analyzing some of these players, what our notes are on them, what's relevant, why we feel it's relevant or not relevant. Uh, plenty to dig into over there as well and hold you guys over until Monday, which is the next time that we will be back here on the Draft Dudes podcast. I'm Kyle Krabs signing off with Joe Marino. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Hey folks, Dirks Bentley here. If you've seen one of my concerts, you know I'm all about energy. Performing, recording, traveling, being a husband and a father, it's a busy life, and I need to be 100% every day. So when my battery starts running low, I grab a sugar-free, vitamin-packed, five-hour energy shot. It tastes great, and it gets me back to 100% fast. Try it. It could work for your busy life, too. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com. Suit up. Mission Impossible Fallout is 95% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. It's one of the best action movies ever made. Showtime. Rolling Stone calls it off the charts spectacular. What is he doing? I find it best not to look. A thrillingly clever story filled with twists and turns. Target Ethan Hunt. We should be dead. Why aren't we? With an ending that will blow you away. We interrupt. And Tom Cruise. Mission Impossible Fallout. Now playing. When PG-13 may be inappropriate for children under 13. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.